And the Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. Now great crowds were traveling with Jesus, and he turned and he addressed them. If anyone comes to me without hating his father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even his own life, that one cannot be my disciple. Whoever does not carry their cross and come after me cannot be my disciple. Which of you wishing to construct a tower does not first down, sit down and calculate the cost to see if there is enough for its completion? Otherwise, after laying the foundation and finding himself unable to finish the work, oh, the onlooker should laugh at him and say, oh, this one begins to build but did not have the resources to finish. Or, or what king marching into the battle would not first sit down and decide whether with 10,000 troops he can successfully oppose another king advancing upon him with 20,000 troops, but if not... While he is still far away, he will send a delegation to ask for terms of peace. In the same way, if any one of you does not renounce all your possessions, you cannot be my disciple. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Please be seated. Here we go again. <laughs> He is relentless. And the reason he's relentless is because he's going to Jerusalem. He's going to do what he has to do. And today, he's just got this huge crowd. He must be at the height of his popularity. He's healed hundreds. He's, he's cast out demons. He's fed thousands. And, and, and the groupies are all around him. And they, they want to hang on his every word, boy. And today, is he going to give them some words? Today, he's going to speak to them it's a slap in the face, it's a wake-up call, it's a, a wet noodle that they're being beaten with to pay attention to what? To what it means and to what it costs to be a disciple of Christ. And so he says these incredible, scary words. If anyone comes to me without hating father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, even their own life, they cannot be my disciple. My first reaction to every time I read this passage is, yipes! Ah, hate! And, 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 and the interesting thing is I, I, I did some checking on the original Greek and the real translation of that word. It, hate would be bad enough, but, but hate is a correlative of love, and they are both emotional terms, so you're still in relationship with the one that you either love or the one that you hate. The real translation here is indifferent. Eh, meh. Unless you are indifferent to your mother or father or brother or sister, unless you're even indifferent to your own life, you cannot be my disciple. That's a... That's a, a, a in some ways, that's even worse. We just don't care about anything except for what it means to follow the Christ. Now, this isn't the first time that Jesus has used this kind of language. He used it before when, when somebody was giving praise to his mother, and they, they said, oh, how blessed is the womb that bore you and, and, and the breast that nursed you. And Jesus says, oh, no, no, more blessed are, are, are the, the ones who hear the word of God and keep it. Well, at first blush, this sounds like a put-down. 
But, but the reality is, who heard the word of God and kept it more profoundly than the mother of Jesus? And yet my mother always took it at the original put-down meaning, and, and her famous saying was, I don't care, even if he is the son of God, no one should talk about his mother like that. What's he saying? What's he saying? He's going to say, if you're going to follow me, get serious. There are going to be no fair weather fans. If you're going to follow me, I'm going to ask you to do it all the way. If you're going to, if you're going to build the tower, you better have enough material to finish the job. If you're going to go to fight the corruption and the sin of the world, you'd better make sure you've got enough resources to do that. You, 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 better, you better say, I'm going to go all the way. It's, it's like the story of the chicken and the pig that are walking down the, 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 the street and they see this huge billboard. And, and on the billboard is it's the American breakfast, ham and eggs. And the chicken's going, isn't that wonderful? Look at us. We feed the world. And the pig snorts, yeah, that's easy for you to say. For you, it's just a donation. For me, it takes real commitment. Well, that's what he's asking for. No halfway measures. Committed to, to whom? Committed to what? What, what? what is he asking us to do to follow him, to be his disciples, to be the disciplined one after him? And what's it going to cost? Everything. Everything has to be relativized to the one constant, and that's the Christ. And, and what's it going to cost? He says, you cannot be your, my disciple unless you do two things. Pick up your cross and follow me, and two, renounce all of your possessions. This is no simple task, but it's been done. And, and it's been done over and over and over again in so many of the saints. And of course, we who are in the Franciscan mode have the example par excellence. Uh, you all know the story better than I do. Francis, this is a dandy. He's a, a, the father of a rich man. What does he do? Not only does he become indifferent to his father's wealth, but he renounces all of his possessions to embrace Lady Poverty, strips himself of all of his titles and powers and possessions, walks off naked and vulnerable to go where? Go to whom? To go to the Christ. And where does Francis find the Christ? You know, Francis is the, is the first one to take the incarnation very seriously. Uh, we celebrate the great Paschal mystery, and indeed we should and must and have to. But, but Francis is saying, not only do we find the Christ in that passion, but if we look, we will see the Christ everywhere. Oh, for Francis, the world is utterly enchanted. The, the world is shot through with the grace of God. The Christ can be found in every person, in every animal, in every tree, in every flower, in every insect, in all of creation is the Christ. Now, the world, to Francis, as we know, is the footprint of God. It is a sacramental world. And that's where he found the Christ. That's where he laid down, uh, upon whom, for whom, he laid down his life. Now, I speak all of this 
because uh, our present Francis, Pope Francis, continues to remind us that we are to be indifferent to the things that we are clinging to, our possessions, uh, the material things that we think we cannot live without, or even the names and the positions that we think we cannot live without. I love his definition of materialism. Francis' definition, Pope Francis' definition of materialism is a fervent search after the superficial. We fervently search after the frivolous, after the things that don't count. And we ignore the things that really count. So our Holy Father, what has he done? And what are we celebrating right now? Our Holy Father has reminded us that we have got to pay attention to this world in which we live. Serious attention to the world in which we live. Several years ago, he wrote the encyclical Laudato Si. And it was about taking care of our mother, our mother earth, that is a living, breathing organism, and that we are all members of that organism intertwined with each other. And when one suffers, all suffers. And when our mother suffers, we suffer. And of course, out of that, we know what we have been celebrating right here since last Thursday. I heard you had a wonderful, wonderful evening Thursday night as you began the seasons of creation. And, and, and it is, a, it is a, an ecumenical effort. It is literally worldwide. And as you will read in the bulletin today that you received, the, the theme for this year is listen to the voice of God in creation. And, and, and the, the symbol for this year is the burning bush. Because that's where Moses hears the voice of God and the bush that is burning. And what is the first thing that the voice of God says to Moses? Take off your shoes. You are on holy ground. And what has been our response to Laudato Si and our response to the seasons of creation? Outside of some very rare exceptions, and you are the rare exceptions, the response of the world has been yawn, utter indifference. The thing that we need to cling to, we are indifferent of. The things that we need to let go of, we are not indifferent of. We hold on to them and we cling to them and we think we can't live without them. We've done a terrible job of taking what is told to us that we must do seriously. And we're paying the consequences. We're paying the consequences right now. You know, the old margarine commercial that used to say, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature? Well, it's not nice to fool Mother Nature. And, and, I, and, and when all is said and done, Mother Nature is going to be just fine. She's going to recover. The difficulty is if we do not do something, if we are not proactive, if we don't take this seriously, if we yawn and go, meh, or are indifferent, we might not be here. This is, is, you know, we hear the term all the time, but this is the real deal. This is a real existential crisis because our existence depends upon it. And not just ours, yeah, we're going to live through it, we're getting near the end. But our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, 
And our mother is speaking to us and shouting to us as loudly as she possibly can. The children of Jackson, Mississippi cannot drink the water. The people of Pakistan cannot find dry land and are drowning by the thousands. In California, the heat is so oppressive and the drought is so strong that they don't know where to go next. And they tell us that this is a prelude to floods that are going to start taking place in California. And even as far as Illinois, that heat wave is going to engulf us. And by the way, I heard that the heat in Pakistan was 40 degrees Celsius the other day. The, the NPR fellow translated it and said that's 127 degrees Fahrenheit. We're burning up. We're on fire. This is a hair on fire moment. And if I had hair, it'd be on fire right now. It is an existential crisis. And the question, and it really is the question for us, is how, how do we get in this mess? And then once we find out how we got in this mess, then we've got to figure out how we got out of this mess. Well, we got in this mess by refusing to follow the Christ, by refusing to renounce the things that we are holding on to and clinging to, but by refusing to renounce the things that we cannot live without, that we certainly can live without. We, we, we have refused to follow the Christ, who is first and foremost manifested in the God-man, in Jesus. There we find the fullness of the divine and the fullness of the human together in this incredible union. But we also find the Christ in creation, and other people. St. Paul tells us that we are the body of Christ. That's not a metaphor. That's reality. I'm speaking right now to the Christ. Francis tells us that we find the Christ in all of creation. And what has happened to creation? What have we done to it? You know, creation was, was enchanted. Oh, from the time of Genesis until well into the Middle Ages, it was always a sense of wonder. You looked up to the stars and you say, oh, your descendants are going to be as numerous as the stars. Incredible wonder. But we went from a God-centered universe to an anthropocentric-centered universe to a human-centered universe. As we became educated, as we began to separate the secular from the divine, in the Middle Ages, the, the, the great scientists were always people of faith. But as time went on, God seemed to be going further and further away, and we kept in our ascendancy thinking that God was not the center, that Christ was not the center, love was not the center, we were the center. And what's good for us is good for the world. And we are going to use the resources of the world. And so what we have done is we've gone from wonder, this incredible sense of wonder, of enchantedness, of gloriousness, into plunder. And how can I buy low and sell high? How can I use all of the resources of the earth? And how can I get enough for mine and for me? And we've lost it. We've lost it something fierce. And if we do not have a conversion, and that's what Francis is calling us to, an ecological conversion, a serious conversion, a conversion of heart, this is real repentance. This is true metanoia. 
This is not just changing our mind, but this is changing our heart and then also changing our actions. We, we've got a serious, serious obligation now to do something about it. And what are we to do? Well, Francis suggests three things. He says we are to uh, reduce, reuse, recycle. And I dare say I think I'm preaching to the, to the, to the choir right now because I think you take all of that very seriously. And I dare say and I pray to those who are at home that you take this as seriously too, to reduce simple lifestyle. Our lifestyles have become so complex and we are called to a rather t- relatively simple lifestyle. We know the statistics. We are, what, 6% of the population of the world. We're using, what, 35 40% of the resources. There's, Mother Earth cannot sustain that. We, we cannot go on living like that. So, yeah, we are called to reduce. We are called to reuse. If it's still good, we can still use it. We are called to recycle. But, but I think the most thing we need to do is to be aware of and act on the part of our mother, on the part of our healing. And that means being an activist. That means writing a letter to the powers that be. That means maybe even marching and protesting. That means being utterly involved. We, we, we need to seek not our, our own self-interest, but the interests of our mother of earth. What is most necessary is this change of mind, this metanoia, this ecological conversion. Now here's the truth. Jesus told everybody to leave everything to follow him, and yet the only ones who did follow him completely and left everything were his disciples and, of course, many of the holy women who traveled with him all the way through. Those of you who are in a vowed religious life, have done exactly the same thing. But for the majority of us, we, we have not. I'm not even quite sure if, if the Lord expects us to give up mother and father and brothers and sisters and family and friends, or even be indifferent to them. But here's what we must do. This is the sine qua non. We, we, we are certainly all called to carry the wounds of creation, and do everything we can to help do them. This, if we are to be followers of Christ, is not an option. 